0: advisor Matt Moniz. I think Stephanie Burke might join us here in a little bit, but we are here to talk about the paranormal as we are each and every Saturday night. Happy Halloween, everybody. Very excited to be here in the Spooky Studio on Halloween, being able to broadcast live here on WBSM as well as on Midnight FM. We have the live stream happening there as well. And I almost had Spooky TV up and running. It, it was going during the... The pre-show when I was trying to get it up and running. But I don't know what happened.
1: The spirits that we normally have in here?
0: I, I Normally, this is the time that, that Stephanie would say Mercury retrograde, but I don't <laughs> think that we're in that anymore. I, th- I think that might have stopped.
1: Mm, I don't know, but...
0: I'm not sure either. But that's alright. We're, we're getting closer to bringing it back. Although I don't think it's going to be very good. I was, uh, I was testing Mercury some of the... Mercury retrograde or the... No, the the spooky TV stream. I was I was messing around with it before the program. I got it going. I had it actually streaming on YouTube. For some reason, now it stopped. Uh, but the shots were not that great because oh. we have plexiglass now between oh, us. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that's having an effect on the way that we can set up the cameras. So sorry, but there's eventually going to be a rebuild here in the studio. They're going to tear all this stuff down. They have to rebuild it. They're ne- going
1: to... Next month, right? Or is that uh, I think it got, December?
0: I, no, I think it got held up again just because of everything that's been going on oh, with yeah. the pandemic. So, And I think the newsroom is getting done first. And they keep saying this. It's just because of the pandemic. Yeah. Things got slowed down and now the construction team is behind. So hopefully uh, it'll get done eventually. But the idea will be that they're going to you know, create this to be a little bit more of an open area with less of the computers in the way and everything. So that'll give us more... Places where we can angle the shots, so even Updated if there is Updated
1: equipment like a new digital board,
0: no, that's probably going to be the same board. Really, but the okay. the good thing is with the new setup and less stuff in the way, they can they'll probably keep p- plexiglass in between, y- yeah, or at least have the uh, you know the option of sliding one in and then you can take it out, yeah. Uh, but that's gonna you know that's gonna allow us some freedom with where we can set up those cameras. So maybe maybe we'll bring it back. I tried. I mean, I'll be honest with you. I, I really don't care if we have the videos. I know people like it. People yeah. like, people like, oh, I like to watch it on YouTube. But you know what? We're also a radio show. So you can hear us on the radio. Yeah. And you can put us on, if you want, if you insist on having it on your TV, put Midnight FM on your TV. Put WBSM.com on your TV. All, all of those will work on your television if you have a web browser on there. And then you'll be able to to hear the show on your TV. But... You're not missing much by looking at us, especially tonight with just Moniz and I in here right now.
1: Yeah, we definitely have the pace for radio, as they would say.
0: And thankfully, here uh, on Halloween, remember the last time that we were on the air on Halloween? Yes. It was uh, 2009. Yep. Which i try trying to think to myself, like, there should have been a Saturday night on Halloween in between there, Right.
1: Yeah, there should have been.
0: We must have had an event or something or taken the night off or something. I don't know. But I would have thought we would have had another Halloween show since then. But we, we did rerun our first Halloween show on Midnight <laughs> FM earlier. I uh, I had... Uh, How'd that go? Well, the, run, uh, the the broadcast of it? Yeah. Well, I mean, minus the, the copyrighted music at the beginning of it. Yeah. We'll, well. we'll just forget about that part. But the... Um, you know, it was nice to have a couple classic episodes out there that you can't get from the podcast feed anymore because it only holds the most recent 300 episodes. And here oh, we are right. on, I think, 615 or something. Wow. So, but the the good thing is, is, uh, you know, we'll, we're working on some stuff. Uh, Amy over at Midnight FM and I have been working on some things that may be able to make it so that people can get access to all those previous episodes. I think I just have to go through and edit some of them to take out like licensed stuff. But we should be able to get your hands on some of those original uh, broadcasts. Is there a time limit on the amount of license or
1: any triggers, a, a ban or whatever? with it?
0: No, any licensed music, if you don't have a license, you can't use it. I thought there was the fair use thing and it, you're dealing with... It doesn't work when it's a commercial venture. And also the other part of it, none of it covers podcasting. Yeah. So no matter what people tell you, if they have a... A music license, it allows them to stream the audio. It doesn't allow them to record it and then rebroad and then, you know, make it available to people on demand. That's just not allowed. So we'll, we'll do our best. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's, there's 300 and something episodes in that archive that people can't access that we probably can just, I mean, it's just a little bit of cleaning up the front end of it, maybe. And I remember Matt used to run some music now and then for stuff and, We used to take breaks and have bumpers and all that stuff. We used to be a real radio show, remember that? Before we just decided to build it for podcasts. Yeah, I do. I do. It was still fun. It's fun now, but I mean, back then, it was
1: actually doing radio for radio's sake.
0: Well, so is this. But I mean, I just, you know, I don't take commercials because it's easier to just front load them, and then it makes for a quicker edit and gets the show uploaded faster. But the... um, Nobody, I don't think anybody wants to hear this behind-the-scenes stuff. They just want to hear the show. Tonight, we're going to be talking in a little while with Dacre Stoker. Now, if that sounds familiar, it should sound familiar. He is actually the great-grandnephew of Bram Stoker, who wrote Dracula. And uh, Dacre is an author himself, and he will talk with us about his work. He'll talk about Dracula and its inspiration coming from Ireland, and he'll talk with us about Stoker's life in Ireland, the Stoker family overall, and carrying on that legacy. So that'll be coming up a little bit later on in the program. I've had the chance to talk to him on my other show, and just a very fascinating guy, very fascinating story. And we think that we know everything about Bram Stoker and Dracula, but I don't think that you do. So stay tuned for that. That'll be coming up. Uh, Also, just a real quick note for anybody that had tickets to see me do the evening of spooktacular New England Ghost Stories and Legends in Middleborough on Thursday or Friday of last week. I think you can understand why we postponed yeah. <laughs> on Thursday night and Friday night. Uh, first of all, Thursday night was just horrendous. And then Friday night, you know, I went outside around seven thirty, eight o'clock at night and the skies had started to clear and the moon had come out, but it felt like it was January. Yeah. In terms of the weather and the snow and the ice and all that. So uh, those those events have been pushed off to this Thursday and Friday. So if you had tickets for last Thursday, those are transferable to this Thursday. If you had tickets for last Friday, transferable to this Friday. And if you can't make it or if you want to switch your date or any of those type of logistic issues, just email BurtWoodSchool at AOL.com. And uh, you'll be able to set, settle that up with Lorna, and she'll make it work for you, uh, because you know we want to make sure that everybody can get to it that wants to get to it. It's going to be a really fun time. I've been going over some of the stories, you know, uh, that um, that I want to tell, and they're they're quintessential New England stories, but they're also a lot of fun. They they're going to be creepy, but at the same time, there's going to be some laughs too. So it's it's going to be a fun night. Uh, So if you want to check that out again, if you didn't get tickets and you want to see if there are still some available, email School at AOL.com, B-U-R-T-W-O-O-D, school at AOL.com. But it's just been, it's been a crazy week, you know, talking to libraries and I just was, uh, I was just actually on the Queen Mary before you showed up. Uh, what? Yeah, I was on the Queen Mary how
1: did you manage
0: that the, i remote i remote connected with uh with the dark zone crew over there they've What's got that oh, okay. that f- week weekend long ghost hunt going on okay and i got the chance to they shared some of the uh evidence that they captured last night on the investigation and we went over it and talked about you know what it could be and whether or not we thought that it was anything paranormal some of them were not quite what i would consider to be you know, paranormal activity per se, but there was one that freaked me out, and I'm hoping that they'll release it to the public. I won't say anything just yet because I don't know if they put it out publicly, but it involves a doll. Okay. It involves a doll that moves. Oh. So we'll see if they put that out there. I think somebody they, brought think Robert. They have to. No, no, it's a different, it's a different doll, but it it, it certainly is uh, no less creepy. So we'll see, we'll see if they'll put that out. I bet you they will because it's a good catch. Uh, also, a little bit later on in the program, because it is Halloween, I want to hear what how people celebrated Halloween this year, because I know it was a little bit different for a lot of folks. I know, you know, people that normally would have uh, extravagant things going on, uh, extravagant. Um, well yard displays and all that some people didn't really go all out i haven't gone out for gone all out for the last couple of years i know the weather impacted some of the displays that were already out last night so Quarantine. Yeah, some folks just don't want to answer the door or go to other people's doors. So I understand that. So I want to hear the creative ways that people celebrated Halloween. And uh, we'll have the phone lines open a little bit later on. I do think we have a phone call right now, though. So let's see who is on the line. Good evening. You are on Spooky South Coast. Hello.
2: Hello, uh, Matt and uh, Tim. This is Matt from Minnesota, longtime fan. Uh, just tuned in at the beginning here. Oh, happy Halloween. To you as well. Um Tim, if I heard you right, um, I think you mentioned at the beginning that you hadn't Spooky hasn't been on on uh, Halloween Eve since 2009. I think I heard you say that. I, um, I think so. And then I was racking my brain a little bit, and I seem to recall that you were live on Halloween on 2015, and I went on to YouTube, and I see there's a Spooky video from Halloween live show in 2015 with Chris Balzano. I, I remember listening to that episode a few times. Oh, man. On YouTube, so assuming that that is correct, and I think the last time you were on live on Halloween would have been in twenty fifteen. Because I really did enjoy that episode.
0: So I think, yeah, mathematically that probably figures out, but yeah, because I, a I,
2: leap year there, and
0: yeah, I just have no recollection of that at all. But you you listened to it a few times, so so it was an okay episode then.
2: Yeah, I, I liked it. I've listened to it uh, sometimes at work. I, I have it on in the background. Some of the old spooky episodes, and I. If I recall, I hadn't listened to it in a while. But if I recall, I think it was one where um, Chris hadn't been on in a long time, so it was kind of one of his, you know, "quote unquote" triumphant returns. As spooky as I remember, but um, anyway, so I do think 2015 was the uh, the last Halloween uh, show uh, for Spooky. So that's all. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll look forward to listening here.
0: Thank, well, you, thank you very much. much, Matt.
2: Happy Halloween! Yeah, thanks, guys. Happy Halloween! Bye bye.
0: So yeah, I mean, I'm 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 not surprised. I totally. Locked it out of my brain if I was Chris Balzano. I'm just kidding <laughs> I'm just kidding
1: uh, that well bear in mind we're doing these for us it's always Halloween right, right. I don't I don't, I don't necessarily do differentiate
0: show, so. from from one day to the next. It's all Halloween to me. Uh, the yeah well that's that's the thing though is that we you know there's a lot to cover and a lot to talk about in the world of the paranormal and in the world of you know uh, Halloween observances and all of that. And I think that this year, more than ever, because people couldn't go out and yeah. do the things that they normally would have done, they stayed in and they spent a lot of time soaking up the different content that's been created. So, I mean, last night we had on, on uh, Midnight Society, we had on Mark Cowden, who was, he's an American who's been living for the last 20 years or so in Ireland. And he was in a haunted pub that's now a museum. Conducting an investigation while also telling us, you know, some Irish ghost stories and talking about the paranormal and everything, and we talked about the the origins of Halloween and all of that. I mean, that's kind of how people are celebrating Halloween this year—that they're they're using it as an opportunity to learn, maybe because they can't go out and actually do. Well, it's
1: like a lot of things in 2020. We're doing a lot of things virtually, in, in a sense. This has become like the virtual year because we can't do anything. In person as much as we used to.
0: And and that's become something that people have been asking me about, too, is do you think that as, you know, whenever things get back to normal, you know, as much as I hate using that term. But when people are back out investigating and running ghost events and all that well, kind of stuff. here's the
1: newsflash. We were never really normal, Tim. Right.
0: I don't want to be normal. But, the, but I do want to get back out and investigate and go back out and be able to give lectures in person and all of that. Uh, but people have been asking, will we include the virtual part of it now going forward. And I I almost think that you have to because now mm. you've given, first of all, I mean, it, it could be a while before people feel safe enough to go out and gather in crowds anyway, and everybody can kind of do that at their own pace. But I think, you know, the advantage of this is you've grown an audience for things that are happening on a worldwide level. So not only are you, um, not only are you reaching out to the local people, but now you've got this group of people that have been watching what you've been doing from all over that are going to want to continue watching what you're doing.
1: The new remote viewers so as it would be. Not and, not but this time using technology rather than telekinetic.
0: And they and they can go on you know, they can go to the right into the libraries as we're speaking about these topics. They can go right into whatever other civic organizations we might be speaking in front of. They can be right alongside us on investigations, too. I mean, there's there's a big clamor now because I've been going out and doing a few uh, live broadcasts from some haunted places uh, that people have been saying, well, can't you just do the same thing but with an investigation? Well, yeah, we could, and we should, because why not?
1: Well, it uh, would involve us... Uh Putting a little bit of money into equipment to do it, but nah, not, not, not not so all much that,
0: not that much. But yeah. But it I can mean be done. that's why I love working with the dark zone because they've got a professional setup where they set the place up, you know, it's it's a it looks like a television broadcast, but they're connecting with all these folks remotely. They're doing things on the ship. They've got security cameras that people can check at any time during the, during the investigation. The, tonight they had bands involved with. Oh, well, this whole weekend they have bands involved, like Filter and Silver Sun Pickups. You know, bands that you mm-hmm. actually know. Like, and it's just amazing how much they're able to to put all this stuff together technologically. And I know our friends Greg and Dana Newkirk; they've been doing virtual conventions.
1: Oh. And Side note, I may have that Bigfoot item he's looking for.
0: Oh, well, he'll, he'll be very excited about that. Uh, but that's that's the great thing about this now is because we can connect with people. We can connect with people anywhere, and they can hang out with us, and we can do cool things. Like, I think we have our guest on the line, uh, who I believe is joining us from Canada. Are you with us, Daker?
3: Well, I'm actually joining you from South Carolina. I moved uh, a number of years ago from Canada.
0: Oh, okay. Well, that's probably better in terms of, you know, weather, uh, weather this time of year, because if we're getting snow in New England, I can only imagine what Canada has to deal with.
3: Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of one of those people that got a little tired of the snow, but so did my South Carolinian wife, who I dragged up there for a couple of years. <laughs> By about September, she said, I think we got to head south when we can.
0: Well, we are very excited to talk with you. I I, was, I, I, We had a great discussion a while back on my other show, and uh, and I thought this was a, a good topic for Halloween for sure to talk about. And, of course, we said we introduced you as Dacre Stoker. You are the great-grandnephew of Bram Stoker.
3: That is correct, yes. Bram's youngest brother, Dr. George Stoker, was my great-grandfather.
0: And there's, first of all, the, 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 the question that I would have is, it, was that something that was a point of interest or a point of contention for you growing up with growing up with that name?
3: <laughs> well, you hit the nail on the head. Um, it's sort of funny growing up in Montreal. You know, you get these kind of you know, jokes in middle school and and early high school years when you know anything you do, you're a little bit off the center. You know, your friends love to nail you on it. And of course, Halloween was oh, we're going to come trick or treating at your house. What are you guys going to do? take my blood or give candy, you know, ha, ha, ha. And it just got a little tiring after a while. And finally broke down and said, Dad, what is this all about? And I think at the, about the age of 14 or 15, he you know, sat me down and said, well, son, it's uh, time to tell you. And he pulled out this first edition of Dracula that had been passed on down from, Bram actually signed it to his mom. And then his mom passed on to one of his brothers who had moved to British Columbia and somehow we got it. And uh, I'm the custodian of it. And I'm a little embarrassed to say that's the first edition that I read. And then I realized how valuable it was and I bought myself a cheap version to really study.
0: And uh, what was it like for you then to, to read that and to realize that it was, you know, that was someone in your family that had created something that has become so timeless?
3: Well, I, that's um, a good question because honestly, the first time around, it was like, ah, oh, God, this is a difficult book to read. You know, this is, it's the epistolary style. It's not. It doesn't present itself. You know, the, the, the uh, antagonist Dracula doesn't present himself quickly and easily. So, for you know, fourteen year old is more interested in sports and then girls. It was like, God, this took a while. But when I read this book called In Search of Dracula just a few years later, which had come out by two Boston College professors, Nally and Florescu, that was just sort of the pivotal piece of of uh, you know scholarly work. They discover the Dracula notes in the Rosenbach Museum in Philadelphia. They linked all that to Bram Stoker's research into um, Vlad Dracula, Vlad the Impaler. And that's when I got really interested, because then it was like, ah, there's more than just this story. There's all the backstory, and this is our relative, and so many other people care. I better take notice, and that's when I really got into it.
0: And, and and researching it and finding out kind of how the story was put together it was something that was not really just all springing from Bram's imagination. There was a lot of research that went into the creating the story.
3: You're right. I I do these lectures now, you know, all over the world. I've been actually doing a, a film documentary, um, you know, on, on that very thing. I call it the, the mysteries behind the research and the writing of the novel. And and what I found. Well, first of all, he didn't leave us an autobiography. So when I say what i found, all kind of researchers are doing the same thing. We've got to find bits and pieces of evidence, you know, sort of like forensic literary detectives, and put this stuff together and draw, you know, pretty good conclusions. His childhood growing up in Ireland was really rough. I mean, he, he was not supposed to live first seven years really sickly. And while he was sick, at that time, his mom... And Nanny you know, told him these stories. And you guys probably know a little bit about Irish folklore. It's not, you know, Lucky yeah. Charms and, and <laughs> Tinkerbell fairies. This is pretty gruesome stuff, you know, that these, these people have in, in their history and their culture. So he got inundated with, you know, stories of the occult, uh, spiritualism, all that cool stuff. And he, you know, was also interested in the theater. And he ended up working for Henry Irving famous actor in London who played the role of Mephistopheles, the devil in, in Faust, which is his most you know, productive and popular play. He then, as you said, did a ton of research in the London Library, who just two years ago, all these books were discovered that he actually had checked out and Naughty Bram marked up in the, in the margins. And, and they asked me to come over and take a look at this and try to verify the, the markings, which I did, and it sort of led to, you know, what was pretty advanced, you know, scholarly work by a, a people of the church, medical doctors, into the occult, into vampirism, into trance walk, into into nightmares, and so he, I really believe it was a perfect storm of things that he came by honestly is his own experiences, and then things that he studied and realized that there was a lot of folks in the world that were. Interested and very concerned, you know, in the 1700s. And then, as you all know, in, in New England in the 1800s, he even had that information in his notes. So I think he, he capitalized on things that have been deep-rooted superstitions for many years and turned it into a book that felt incredibly realistic and played itself out in real time.
0: And it has kind of become one of the defining... Uh, uh, Tomes of what vampire Legend and lore should be
3: Yeah and that's kind of nice You know when you you, you look at that And obviously in the last 15 years I've sort of realized that Other authors and playwrights And screenwriters They all You know they kind of Offer this sort of um, You know deference to Bram Stoker's rule book As we call it Because there's actually Four pages of these You know these traits Of the vampire that are in his notes in the Rosenbach Museum, and now I know where they came from. There, there's at least you know one book by Emily Gerard, a Scottish lady, who Bram got to know through Mark Twain, one of his neighbors in Chelsea, who were both, you know, they were interested in spiritualism as well, as was Emily Gerard, who was living in Transylvania, and, and she gathered all this interesting folklore into one book, Land Beyond the Forest, and, you know, sure enough, Bram copied down certain traits But what he did was he sort of combined them all into his Count Dracula. You know, it was kind of like a a super uh, mashup of traits, and and that's kind of what most people stick with. Now, we all know during, you know, 123-some-odd years, people change and add and subtract and and, uh, will will merge certain characteristics. But, yeah, he kind of set the tone, and most people have followed because some of the hardcore fans don't like when you deviate from the game plan.
0: Well, and of course, you know the, the the big part of the story is the idea of Transylvania and uh, and traveling to England. but the the funny part about it is the connection that the the novel and Bram have to Ireland. That,
3: that's right. you know he he, he, he did a lot of his, I mean obviously his formative years were there. When he was you know when he recovered from this illness and became a champion athlete, he really sort of came into his own at Trinity College. And at Trinity, mm-hmm. He really bonded with this professor, Edward Dowden, and Dowden was, uh, you know, a, a expert in the occult, and I think he kind of turned Bram on to thinking about these types of things, and Dowden had a, a daughter who was a, you know, a, was a medium. Now, in these days, you know, there was, there, this was sort of an emerging science. People were very interested with all this. I don't have to, you know, preach this to you guys, but, you know, this, it was something that Bram Stoker very seriously, so... The, the Irish roots, just just like, you know, Ireland being the home of Halloween, I say it's also the birthplace of Dracula. There was a lot of influence on my great-granduncle Bram, uh, you know, from, from that country. And then he took it with him to London. But there was, as they said in his New York Times obituary, there was a touch of Celtic mysticism in him, and it, and it came out in his writing. And uh, biographers who I really trust, certain ones... I said you know he kept his Irish pride and his Irish accent and his care of the country all his life. So you're absolutely right, you know, Dracula does have a, you know, a bit of a green tint to it even though there's a lot of blood splatter. <laughs>
0: Well, we are talking with Dacre Stoker. He is the great-grandnephew of Bram Stoker, who wrote the novel Dracula, among other things as well. Uh, but it's funny that we're talking here on, on Halloween, and, and last night I talked with somebody who was actually investigating a haunted pub in Ireland uh, as he was talking to me as it was turning Halloween in Ireland. And it really is so strong, the connection there. I mean, we're talking about the birthplace of, of, of Halloween.
3: Yeah. No, it, it, it's, uh, I, I was actually helping, um, this whole week with, with Irish tourism going on these zoom calls around the world. Um, I knew a little bit about this, but there's nothing better than getting a crash course in hearing people from the natural history museums, um, who were talking about, you know, how the, 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 the original vegetable was the turnip that people would carve out and make these scary faces. And, and that was to, you know, and mask or to scare off the evil spirits as, As This weekend being the change in the seasons when, you know, the the time from daylight to dark is the time when the spirits are welcome back uh, to the living. And we have both the evil spirits as well as the friendly spirits. So the masks go on to kind of scare off the evil spirits, the turnips, you know, to make these scary faces, um, the trick-or-treating to welcome back the others, the bonfires to welcome back the spirits, and then when all the Irish had to leave... Their country for for potato famines or cholera epidemics or looking for a better life, they found that it was a heck of a lot easier to carve pumpkins and there was a lot more of those lying around than turnips. So it, it really is an interesting three thousand year old tradition, this hen, um festival that uh, you know the Celts started, and you know to a certain extent uh, they've they've turned over a little bit to the modern version of our Halloween, but there's still a deep sense of that as the birthplace.
0: Yeah, and, and it really, it, it is something that is never far gone from, you know, the, the the people that come and visit Ireland. That they're when they come to visit Ireland, they're looking for uh, some of the the mysticism. They're looking for some of the history. They're looking to connect the ancient world with the current world, and to be able to go somewhere where they can feel a resonance that has been around for you know thousands of years, if not millennia, and. It, it's, it's got to be one of those feelings that, unlike anywhere else, anywhere on Earth. But, you know,
3: I, I agree, but I'll also say it's really strange because I actually take, you know, small tours to Transylvania, to Ireland and Northern Scotland, where Bram actually did the writing, and Whitby, England, where Bram got inspired to write 6, 7, and 8. And there's a strange similarity between sort of the rural Irish. You know, you've got to, I mean, as much as I love Dublin... Um, you've got to get outside that to really see the country. And once you get outside and you go to these wonderful small towns and you have a pub lunch or you get in, get and meet people, they still to this day, you know, sort of, they're, they're very polite and everything else, but they do hold some of these old traditions. And the same thing in rural parts of Transylvania. And I think the similarity is, you know, you get up in the mountains, you're isolated. I mean, heck, I live, you know, not too far from, Appalachians in, in, in here in, in the South, where same thing, isolated communities, where traditional religion doesn't always hold as much power as it does in, in you know areas where there's more people, maybe more educated people, more money, and people then begin to think, you know, we'll kind of, you know, they kind of shun government, they kind of shun religion, they allow superstition and their older beliefs to take hold. And, and it's kind of cool that way because there's nothing really wrong with it, you know, pagan beliefs and the rituals were around a lot longer than, you know, formal religion. And when they've come together in some places they've come together and coexisted peacefully, in other places they have <laughs> coexisted with some rocky relationships.
0: And and it's those you, you know it's those type of beliefs that end up serving as good Scary story fodder for people because they don't understand pagan beliefs. They don't understand what they were all about. And so to them, because they've been taught that anything that goes outside of, you know, their traditional upbringing uh, is usually considered, you know, nefarious or evil or what have you, that it it kind of creates a good, uh, you you know, kind of a a good creepy tale without it even being anything creepy.
1: To peer the verboten. Right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, you know, and and as a result, then
3: they're quite, you know, useful for being what they call these cautionary tales, the the boogeyman tales, the the tales that, you know, stop you from, you know, having affairs with somebody or not going out doing your, your, your work in the fields or not cleaning your dishes properly. Oh, you do that. This is going to happen. If you, if you marry some within your family, the child is deformed. Oh, they'll become a vampire. I've actually I've done quite a lot of you know research into, uh, ro- ro- you know following in the footsteps of Gerard, and I found a, a founder writer, um, Adrian Grosha, who is uh, who is uh, now living in the U.S. or at least part-time, um, being a professor in in California, and she's written a wonderful book about Transylvanian vampire tales, and and sort of looking about the function of those in their society in the 171800s. Very similar to what religion is. You know, we've got to toe the line, we've got to do the right stuff, go to church on Sundays, behave well, and you'll have a nice afterlife. And very similar, you know, these these superstition and pagan rituals.
0: You know, uh, one of the the things about, you know, we're talking about Ireland and talking about some of the traditions that go on there. First of all, I mean, I can't wait to get over there someday. I never have. Uh, You know, the closest I've come is watching The Quiet Man about 100 times. I've but, been to the hallway.
1: <laughs> well,
0: <laughs> did you get into a fist fight that lasted 25 minutes down the middle of the road? Cause the, no. Because cause Sean Thornton did. Okay. Uh, but uh, <laughs> but I think that, I, I don't know if people really, you know, understand that there is a lot of, as much as, you know, there's all the modern conveniences and what you'd want to find on, on any visit that you go to, there are places where you can literally step back in time.
3: Yeah. No, 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 no question. I... One of the one of the recent trips I had um, was was to the Cherry the, um, area, which is the, the, the far west of the country, um, and I've been also to Sligo, where incidentally Bram's mother grew up. And the taking just the train ride across the country was so relaxing and nice, but you could really see the, the transformation going from. You know, the, the fancy city, the Dublin, which is just a vibrant, you know, really neat place. And then getting out sort of in, into and even though these are you know, nothing compared to the sizes of, of countries or, or even states in the U.S. You could get from one side of the country to the other in about three hours. But you do feel you step back and it's and it's quaint and it's slow moving. And, you know, it's like everybody knows each other when you go into the pub in the little town, or one of the three pubs in the town. that's It's kind of the life people have, it's their familiarity. And that's also sometimes where people know too much about each other, and uh, you, know, you can't really escape too much. But it's, it, it's, it's really nice, the mountain range that uh, are called the Reeks, the tallest mountains in Ireland. And my great-grandfather married into the clan who were the the clan, the MacLachlanns of the Reeks, and you know back in the you know sixteen seventeen hundred, these were the, that's how things were run through the clans, and so he actually, you know, he was a sort of upper middle class stokers in Dublin, but when he married into the MacLachlanns, that was a big deal, and that exposed him to some really cool stuff that we we sort of hunted down, and one of them was on a property that he rented um, and, and every summer for four or five summers, they'd go back there and there was this castle that they would rent and there was also these old Druid caves and things and George Stoker was really interested in that. He was sort of a worldly guy. He had been to uh, the Zulu wars He's, as a medical doctor, had been to um, the Balkans serving in again a, a military medical unit so he was a worldly guy and he's credited with actually getting the uh, archaeological society from Ireland to recognize this really cool druid cave that th- to this day has these ogham stones and really neat stuff dating way way back to you know the, the beginning of I- Irish civilization. So uh, talk about walking back in time it was that was a really cool trip we had and seeing some of those things on the properties that he had he had rented
0: and, and uh, we are talking with Daker Stoker, and one of the things, if you are interested in taking a vacation to Ireland, you know, soon enough we'll be able to travel around a lot easier, and uh, and I know people are going to be itching to get some of the, to, to some of the places that they've always wanted to go to, uh, you can go to Ireland.com, and that will give you all the information that you need about being able to go over there and visit, and planning everything out, but also... I want everybody out there who has been there, do me a favor, share with us some of your memories, share with us some of your photos and videos and things that you might've taken on your previous visits. And there's a couple of hashtags that you can use in those so that we can see them and share them around with other folks as well. Hashtag longing for Ireland, hashtag love Ireland, or if you want to get spooky with it, hashtag Ireland home of Halloween. And, and I, I look forward to seeing what people put out there because I don't, I don't think I know anybody that's ever been there dacre that hasn't said that they can't wait to go back
3: yeah i, I agree it's uh, I, I think i've now been there about six or seven times and i uh, normally am there at this time of the year because they have these wonderful bram stoker festivals that uh, our family helped encourage them to start years ago and i think it's in its eighth or ninth year and it's 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 a fun coming together it's not just you know it's not just about spookiness it's it's a family thing they've got street parades they've got plays People are inspired by Bram Stoker. They put on music. I usually go over and give sort of one of my lectures. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of itching to get back myself. But, uh, yeah, it, 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 it's it's a, it's a wonderful country, a lot of fun to go check out.
0: Now, and, and in addition to being related to Bram Stoker, you've also picked up the mantle, and, and you're an author as well. Yeah. I You know,
3: I kind of got the bug when I, start, I started finding things, his notes and the typescript that he had written um, for Dracula, and, and realized that there's room for you know, family involvement in writing a sequel, which I did in 2009, and that became an international bestseller. That was Dracula the Undead. And then recently a prequel, which is actually doing even better than the first one, with J.D. Barker, we wrote a prequel that was the number one horror hardcover in Ireland and the UK. And it's all really about Bram Stoker's life, but fictionalized a little bit to capitalize on his incredible recovery from this childhood illness that nobody still really knows what it was, but he was an invalid for seven years. And then he recovered to become a champion athlete. And what I did with JD was we said, well, let's, let's, let's play with this a little bit Let's 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 kind of pretend that he wrote Dracula as a warning to the world that it was real, which is not a stretch if you've read Dracula. It's very realistic. So to get to that point, we pretended that he's his recovery from his illness to become a champion athlete was because of some kind of supernatural intervention, and let's just say we'll leave it at that. But he then has reason to believe when he grows up that vampires are real and he has the proof of it and he, the only way he can get around this without being thrown in an asylum is to write a story that warns the world that vampires are real and that's Dracula. So those two books have done great. Dr- Dracul is the prequel and the, uh, Paramount actually bought the, the film rights to it. So hopefully when this pandemic is over and uh, they decide to get to it that they'll produce a you know, pretty good faithful adaptation of our
0: novel. Well, you know, I was speaking with somebody the other day about vampires and I said, you know, vampires have kind of come back into uh the 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 modern zeitgeist and and you know, they're very popular right now. And I was corrected. Uh and and my guest at the time, Mark DeWitziak, told me, "Vampires have never gone away. They they they've uh-huh. gone through different in, incarnations." Uh, you know, no pun intended, but they they seem to be always you know, always kind of in the back of our minds and, and, and always part of our pop culture. So, yeah, we're seeing things like, you know, what we do in the shadows is popular. And there's been some other. And, of course, the, the, the Netflix, uh, well, the BBC version of Dracula that came yeah. out last year. I mean, it, it's it's back in a big way, but it never really does go away.
3: Well, I know Mark and I really respect his work. And he's on a cool thing right now with, uh, you know, connecting Mark Twain which he does such a good job at with with uh, Dracula and Bram Stoker, because as we said earlier in the show, they are they were neighbors. But you're, you're absolutely right, and, and so was he. Is you know, it, there's ebbs and flows, and and you know very well you're in the popular culture world, and and you know when there's a saturation, then people get all excited, but then there's like oh we need to recover a little bit, and then it won't go away totally, but. Something else will take its place. Like for a while, The Walking Dead and zombies, and they kind of picked up the pace, and then, you know, it came back to more vampires. And it does it does that over time. And and uh, I got to ask you though, what did you think of the the BBC and Netflix reimagining? I, I call it a reimagining just because there have been a few faithful adaptations adaptations of Dracula. The BBC did one in seventy seven, but but I personally don't think. You have to have a faithful adaptation to be a good movie version of Dracula. And I, I'm wondering what you were think. What you think about it?
0: Well, I would agree with that point that it doesn't have to be faithful. That you know that it can be it can be different, but still be a strong Dracula character. I enjoyed the Netflix version through the first two parts of it. <laughs> the third yeah. part lost
3: me. Yeah, I, I I agree. That's probably I mean pretty common with most people. Because you really get don't you really feel that vibe in the first two episodes where you want to spend time in that in that monastery with Sister Agatha because Bram didn't touch on that very much. And you want to spend more time with Demeter because in the novel he didn't spend a whole lot of time there. But when they did this time leap, it was like Whoa! I'm not ready for that. I'm still ready for the old vibe. Is, is that kind of what, what threw you right. off? Right.
0: And I liked where they were going with the story. I liked the idea of taking it in this more modern idea and 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 having some some twists in the plot. But I just felt like it was it was almost like it should have been you know a ten episode series, yeah. and that should have been yeah. like the last three episodes.
3: It rushed. It, it just kind of rushed to the conclusion, which I thought the conclusion was cool. But there needed to be a little more development of some of those characters before they end up that way,
0: right? And um, you know, and I've heard too that they're talking about making a sequel to it. I don't know how that plan is going to work, but they've been they've been kicking around that idea. Uh, that was pre pandemic, so I don't know if that's changed any plans at all. But I mean, I'm all for the the I'm I'd be totally on board with a long form multi season you know, Netflix, imagining of Dracula, you know, we get 10 episodes every year and seeing yeah. where, where we can really go with it. Because it doesn't just have to be, you know, the the Harker and, and, and you know, the, all, all that version of the story. I would love to know about what he's been like through the years and, and what he's been like prior to, to, to that incarnation or to, prior no, to I, that time period.
3: Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, first of all, Christopher Lee said it. Nobody's ever filmed... Dracula, like Bram Stoker wrote it. And because it's an epistolary style novel, and there's so many different perspectives, to do it justice, you need a four or five or six episode series to pull it off. But as you said, there's so much room to develop all these things that Bram Stoker either had to edit out, and and I know some of the things that he edited out because I actually saw the the typescript that Paul Allen's estate owns out in Seattle. And then there's not only that, but things that he didn't even put in, but he mentioned, like the relationships between all the band of heroes. I mean, Van Helsing, he's lost a son, his wife's in an insane asylum. You know, he's a doctor, a lawyer, and a physician. I mean, this is something obviously that they've beaten to death in other versions of Van Helsing, but nobody's really gone into, that I know of anyway, his deep beginnings, and the same with Mina, You know, an orphan. You know, where did she come from? How did all these people know each other? I mean, there's there's a lot of material that that could be used, and I'm actually working on some graphic novels to fill in some of those gaps. And maybe if that works out, somebody will want to take a look at those. And that you know, graphic novels look a whole lot like storyboards. Maybe somebody wants to take that and. And work on that. We'll see.
0: You know, and and I know the perfect guy for them to reach out to if they want to start putting it into into effect. I mean, put the Stoker name on it, and it's only going to get people to tune in even more. So hopefully, uh, yeah. hopefully that can happen.
3: Well, thank you. That would be cool.
0: Well, Dacre, I want to thank you so much for joining us. Hopefully, we can have you come back sometime, and we'll we'll talk even more.
3: That that would be great. Just 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 remember, uh, as you already said once, Ireland, the home of. Halloween and the birthplace of Dracula. Everybody, all your listeners have a safe rest of your Halloween and Thing with you guys. Thanks for having me on
0: the show. All right. Take Thank care. You. Now, now get into your coffin before the sun comes up. <laughs> That's where I'm headed, man. Okay. Take care. See you later. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> that is Dacre Stoker, and uh, you can find all of his works too. Uh, you know, just all you have to do is uh, go online, uh, go to Amazon, wherever you would go to pick up books. You'll find his work as well as Bram Stoker's work. And again, the websites are Ireland.com. That's where you want to go to plan your trip to Ireland and talk about it on social media using the hashtags. Hashtag longing for Ireland Hashtag love Ireland And hashtag Ireland home of Halloween
1: Now you thinking Jason to be the person To do a lot of the illustrating You know that kind of thing
0: No 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 I was thinking you know when they make a television series who, oh. to, who to hire as the writer For the television series I mean if you put you know Bram Stoker's Dracula And then it says you know written by Dacre Stoker Yeah I mean that's going to sell it right there so. No but if
1: you're talking like graphic novel In, ter- in terms of doing it With illustrations. Well, it
0: it sounds like he's got something already lined up in that regard. Uh, But the, you know, the the best part about that is got to love when, you know, a story can stay in the family like that. I mean, it's so often.
1: Well, it's a timeless type of story.
0: You know. And and so often you know we see the characters that become popular like that and and get into the public domain too by the way uh which I I think Dracula is I would think so yeah. because the novel well, was published in years, 1897 yeah. so yeah. if you if you go back and look at some of those characters and what's happened to them over the years, you know it's been at the whim of whoever was behind them. We've seen that happen even with Dracula. But to have that family lineage, that family name, and that family love, and you hear David well, talk about the work he's put into
1: it, gives complete authenticity to the idea because you know that's where it was
0: developed. So we're going to take a break here. Coming up in a few minutes, but when we come back on the other side, uh, let's talk about vampire culture. We'll talk about. Va- I actually have the opportunity. A few weeks ago, to talk to some real life vampires. Okay. Like one of them.
1: I didn't realize my ex called.
0: Yeah. Well, uh, she's with somebody new now. Okay. Uh, because uh, we, I talked to a couple in Houston. That one of them actually, one of them, the the woman is a a sexual vampire, so she feeds on sexual energy. Which I can—that's you know—I can totally get behind that. Uh, but the no
1: pun intended
0: the 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 man so she's the queen of the Houston vampire court the king of the Houston vampire court uh, he is a literal blood drinker okay and he drinks it from the person so it's uh you know it's 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 all screened and all with permission and all of that, but it's, it's real and it's happening out there. In fact, we're, we're talking with them about having them add a program onto midnight FM where they're going to be talking about what they call the night side, things that would pertain to the vampire world and of interest of people in that community. So there's nothing else like it. So we said, Hey, that sounds like a good midnight FM show. So uh, they're, they're working on developing that now. Uh, but when we come back, we can talk a little bit about vampires. I'll also ask people out there, what is your favorite vampire movie? A lot of folks are looking for ho- uh, horror movies to watch here uh, for Halloween and for you know this weekend. Uh, maybe you can call up with some su- suggestions of what you think are some of the best vampire films out there i know that a lot of our listeners especially some of the folks listening tonight are going to go right to those hammer films and of course those are definitely uh ones to put on the list but there's been so many others as well but if you call in and say twilight i'm gonna hang up on you so just be aware of that um i'll let you get your say i'll let you say it but then right after you do before you get a chance to explain yourself i'm going to hang up on you so just be aware of that Uh, also during the break uh well i'm going to try and see if i can't get that spooky tv going one more time we'll see if we can get it rolling Uh, and if we can maybe we'll be able to bring it back each and every week next week we're going to be joined by our friend amy bruni she's going to be joining us to talk about her new book that is out now. Uh, you can pick that up wherever you get books, and uh, we will be talking with her about the process of writing it. We're going to talk to her about what it's been like getting out there and filming her series and some other things as well uh, during the pandemic. And we'll find out about, you know, she's she's still been able to travel around quite a bit, and we're going to talk about what it's like for her doing so with everything that's going on. So that'll be next Saturday night, and we plan on being here every single week. I know I said we were going to have a new show for you last week. Things didn't work out where we were able to pull that all together so what we'll end up doing is we're just going to have to double up some week and just release an extra podcast show because we have to hit 666 one year from today okay. that's that's the goal is next October 30th as it turns to Halloween as the program ends we want to be wrapping up episode 666 alright we will take a break we'll come back with more spooky south coast coming up in just a few moments right here on WBSM and Midnight FM
4: Are you intrigued by Paranormal Talk Radio? You'll love the new Paranormal Radio app from TalkStream Live. You'll find a great selection of talk shows covering UFOs, ghosts, strange phenomena, and much more. Download the Paranormal Radio app now and start listening to the very best in Paranormal Talk entertainment, the Paranormal Radio app, free in Google Play and the iOS App Store we
0: Spooky South Coast, Tim Weisberg here, along with science advisor Matt Moniz here, talking about the paranormal on Halloween, and we are broadcasting live on WBSM on Midnight FM, and also on Spooky TV on YouTube. So we—I got it up and running. I don't know how.
1: It's going to be something with that computer over there.
0: Uh, I don't—I don't, I don't know what it is. It, I think—I think if you start and stop one too soon, maybe. It needs a, a few minutes to kind of think and catch itself up, but either way, we've got it running here for hour two, and it's just you know I don't think it's anything we're gonna we're gonna keep and put out there. Just testing it out, yeah, seeing well, how it works. Bringing back the chat room. Well, we can probably get it more efficiently running next week. But as people can see, there's a big piece of plexiglass between yeah. us, so it's not the best shot in the world. In fact, uh, poor Stephanie would be getting cut off. I think if she was here. So, which she might be fine with, but let's face it. The whole reason we have the video cameras is because people tuned in to look at Stephanie. They don't, they don't tune in to look at us.
1: Like I said, we have the face for radio.
0: But uh, I am wearing my Bridgewater Triangle shirt. I was looking at that. This is a Parabox monthly shirt. Yep. So uh, pretty much I wear a Parabox monthly shirt every day now. Uh, Yesterday was my Roswell shirt. Uh, uh, What was I wearing the day before that? Uh, the Whaley House. So, you know, I've got like 20 of these shirts now. So I just wear one every... Actually, I should have one coming uh, sometime this week because uh, the new shirt will arrive. Uh, you can get one for yourself if you want to get one at powerboxmonthly.com. Use my promo code MIDNIGHT, M-I-D-N-I-G-H-T. You'll save 20% on your order. And you, I think, Moni's, depending on which size you need, you can go on the Parabox site and order one of these. Even though it's a subscription service where they send yeah. you a different thing every month. How much is it? Well, right now, because they've been running everything at a sale price, uh, you can actually get the previous shirts at a discounted price. So if it's something that they've already put out as the subscription and they have some leftover stock, they put it up in the shop and then you can buy the shop shirts until they run out of stock or, you know, they'll, they'll have limited sizes or what have you. Um, but they, the prices have gone down. They're not as low as they were before. Oh, as I say that to you, the Bridgewater Triangle shirt has gone out of stock. (laughs) Of course. You can get the Rendlesham Forest t shirt. I wouldn't mind that one. And that's on sale right now for normally $22. It's on sale for $13.20. And you can apply the promo code on that and save an extra 20% on top of that. How much for the whole Parabox If you want to get the monthly subscription, uh, that can be done by going to ParaboxMonthly.com, signing up for the regular option. You can pick your plan. It can be month to month, and you'll pay nineteen ninety five a month. You can also pick a three-month plan or a six-month plan and take a little bit of money off of the prices with those. What about a one-year
1: did uh, they offer they like one year? It stops at, generally.
0: stops at six months. Okay. So you'll be able to sign up for that and you can get it for nineteen ninety five. You can put in the promo code midnight and save 20%. So now take, you know, 20 bucks off of that. You're paying about $80 to get 12, uh, six, sorry. Yeah. Six soft style t-shirts with another cool the t-shirts and there's 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 a there's a hidden message a hidden meaning a puzzle to be solved in the design and i can never figure them out but they give you a card that helps you with it but i just i i, le- I let them be and just they're, they're cool just on their own right they're a conversation piece everywhere i go people talk to me about the things that are in my shirts so Paraboxmonthly.com if you want to get one for yourself definitely
1: want one of the bridgewater ones so that's you know
0: well, I'd say reach out to them and see, you know, even though it's off the site, they might have a few kicking around the shop. Uh, you never know. And I'm sure they'll come up with some other, you know, individual designs for it, uh, you know, different different designs, I should say, uh, for it as they go forward. Because they come up with such cool stories and legends and things to, to make designs for. Now, where are they out of? Uh, I'm not sure. I know it comes out of a box. <laughs> That's about as yeah. much as I know. I, I think- was just
1: wondering where they were headquartered.
0: At. I think it's in California. Okay. Uh but um I was saying before the break that I wanted to talk about, you know, some of the the favorite vampire movies and also if you have any, you know, different ways that you celebrated Halloween tonight, you can call in 508-996-0500. That is the number to call in here on Spooky South Coast 508-996-0500. You can also jump in the chat room at Spooky TV on Spooky's at Spooky TV on YouTube. <laughs> Just look at the YouTube channel, you know, go to YouTube Go to the Spooky South Coast channel, and then you'll see the live video right there. I was even able to fix the thing that wasn't bringing it up on the main page, which is hmm. helpful. Uh, but um, I'm trying to think of what the first vampire film was that I watched.
1: Probably had to be one of the old uh, Hammer horror films.
0: It's probably it's probably something that I caught uh, one like of those
1: creature double feature type. Yeah, of on thing. creature
0: double feature, or maybe you know uh, I know that they used to run Elvira yeah. on the weekends because I used to stay up and watch that sometimes. So it was probably something along those lines. But are you old enough to remember Dark Shadows as a rerun? I, so I I remember Dark Shadows from when they came out with it. And I want to say it was like 1990 or 91. They came up with the summer series on NBC where it was like a, a reboot of it. I'm talking the and, original
1: series. I know they did rerun it. You but know. As, as
0: part of that, as part of that reboot, they were rerunning some of the old episodes yep. and I forget which cable channel was running them, but one of them brought it back and that's where I first kind of saw it. Uh, and then I, you know, I watched a few of them, but I didn't really follow along with it. Then I went, I went when uh, I want to say it was Netflix or Hulu. One of them had the complete series for a while available for streaming. And so I wanted to watch it then. So I, I, Started with episode one. And then I found out there was like 2,000 episodes. I was like, I don't think I'm going to make it through.
1: I remember watching them uh, as a kid, the original series.
0: Well, I think a lot of people now, when they look at it, if they want to get into it, they'll probably jump into it when Barnabas arrives. Right. And just kind of pick up the story from there. But you're still talking about quite a few episodes because it was on every day.
1: Right. And um, it has a local connection. Right. Most people don't realize that.
0: Well, the, the exteriors were filmed in Rhode Island, right? Yeah,
1: RISD. Um, one of the authors and one of the rights uh, was from the area of Westport. And I believe, I want to say uh, the, off of Rocca Dundee Road on the border of uh, North Dartmouth and Westport, or so the legend goes. I, I know somebody that went to the actual uh, cemetery where... The name Barnabas Collins was lifted from, uh, as well as several other names used in in the series.
0: There was uh, a house that was for sale in New Bedford. Uh, it, it has since sold a couple weeks ago, but we wrote about it for Fun One Hundred and Seven, uh, and and Kristen and I got to go take a tour of this house to take some photos to write the story. You would wonder why there was this this just regular like ranch house. You know what New York China Buffet is? Yeah. So it's that street. Okay. Uh, a couple houses down from 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 there. I
1: know the area,
0: and it's just a regular ranch house. You would never know by looking at it what's inside, but inside it was like a museum of mid century modern kitsch. This okay. guy had been collecting stuff for years, and he had all of his mother's stuff, and also the house had a giant indoor pool, which was incredible. Huh? How do you get that in a you
1: know a ranch?
0: Oh. I will show you. I will show you after the show some of the photos from this. Uh, it was an incredible place. But the the uh, the house was all done up with different themes from room to room. And the, one of the rooms was a dark shadows room. Oh. And he had a replica of the candelabra. And he had an organ. And he had a picture of Barnabas Collins, uh, like a painting hanging up. It was very cool. Uh, but, you know, there's... A lot of people in this area that are huge, huge fans of that. I was mentioning when we were talking to Dacre, uh, Mark Dowizziak. And I had Mark on Midnight Society this week. Uh, he had actually been on a few months before too. And both times we talked in depth about Dark Shadows because he actually uh, became friends with and and, and worked with uh, Dan Curtis. And uh, because he wrote, the, he wrote a book about Kolchak the Night Stalker. Great series. And that led to him, you know, getting to know Dan Curtis, and, and he wrote about uh, Dark Shadows, and he wrote about some other things. He wrote a book about Columbo. So, I mean, he's had quite a career, you know, writing about cool things that, you know, we, we all like. Uh, but he he was talking about Dark Shadows uh, at length the first time that I had him on, uh, just all the ins and outs of it. If you go back and watch it now, you, you're almost like taken out of the story a little bit by how much, uh, you know, bloopers they have, you know, like you'll walk, like sometimes they'll walk into the room and there's the guy with the boom mic, like kind of get out of the way or you'll see like a bat coming by and you can see the string string. as they're making it. But as he was saying, like they were they were making an episode for for weekday broadcast. So they were making one every day. And so they didn't really worry about that kind of stuff because the way they looked at it is people are going to watch it once and then never watch it again. (laughs) And it turns out it's one of the most, you know, beloved series of all time. And there's people who have seen, you know, the 2000 episodes three or four times over. So yeah, I guess they were kind of wrong on that one.
1: The other thing that we didn't bring up with him was uh, the local connection Dracula has here as well. Mercy Brown. Because Baran Stoker, uh, I believe, had all of the uh, newspaper clippings from from that particular thing.
0: When I had Dacre on uh, my other show, I talked to him about that and uh, and he said, you know, how much of that was true and how much of that was legend. If I remember right, you know, there was there was some dispute to it, but it definitely would have been something as he was collecting all these yeah. vampire stories. It was in the news, yeah, and it definitely would have been something that would have had influence uh, over him. Uh, I mean, listen, vampire stories go on for a long time. Dracula was not the first vampire legend, but it was it was a style of vampire that's that right. became the that became the the, the almost the, the 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 actual trope for a vampire,
1: right? No, the vampires themselves. Uh, the the whole we'll call it anthropological. Go back as far as man,
0: and we and, had,
1: they, and they transcend cultures. So. We
0: had uh, last year. We had A.P. Sylvia on, who wrote a book all about you know the history of vampires, and uh, that I mean that's a fascinating read. I, I highly recommend it, but. I like some of the twists that they've put into vampires in modern times. Uh, one of my favorite movies, not just vampire movies, but one of my favorite movies is From Dusk Till Dawn.
1: Oh, that's a classic.
0: But, it, you know, the vampires, for the most part, were kind of similar in the, you know, the the sunlight could kill them. They're afraid right. of the cross, all that kind of stuff. The same, the same, uh, you know, mytholo- mythology around them but it was just cool to see a different kind of vampire.
1: Well, then you go back to the 80s and you know, you you have to bring up Lost Boys. Right. You know, that but that was it it the vampire evolves with the times. The the general, you know, what Stoker started ha, has morphed with today's, you know, styles.
0: And even the Dracula story does the same thing. Yeah. You can have, you know, you'll have the the hyper sex Dracula. You'll have the terrifying Dracula. You'll have the Dracula as a, a, a combination of the two. Oh, all
1: right. Now, what about the in Rice versions and, and stuff like that?
0: I, I mean, I, I enjoyed the interview with the vampire movie. I saw yeah. that in the theater, I think. Did I see the th- I don't remember if I saw it in the theater, but... Um, I, I then I tried to read the books and I just I wasn't into the books. The books were just a little bit too much like erotica to me. Yeah.
1: Well, that's the whole allure of vampires, yeah, and I was, what what it got turned into.
0: I was not like down with that so I it, they just seemed boring to me. Uh, but the you know the, I thought the movie was very well done. Uh, the but that idea of the vampire as this um, aristocratic figure as this you know this wealthy figure you know first of all i mean it makes sense to me because if you're going to be around for all that time yeah you would utilize that knowledge that you've gained and that power that you've gained to to give yourself the best possible life but it also made it like the perfect thing to be parodied parodied mm. for uh, i don't know if you've seen what we do in the shadows no oh man go home and binge it there's a movie the movie came out a few years ago. Is it on Netflix? Uh, no, it's on Hulu. I don't have Hulu, but it's on FX too. So if okay. you have if you have FX, it should be I'm, on FX I, on demand. I, I might, yeah. But the I don't know if they'll have both seasons on, but you really don't need to. It's a sitcom, so you don't really need to see every episode. Um, but the movie came out a few years ago. Uh, it was very well done. Very funny. And then the series is a little bit different. It's different characters. But there is some crossover with the movie. But I would say you could just jump right into the series without having... And you don't even have to, like, find episode one. Just jump in and watch any... Because it's done in a documentary format. So they do kind of explain, like, who the characters are again and again. But, oh, my God, is it so funny. And I actually discovered something else uh, recently. Uh, See, I... I like to um, find different stuff to watch, you know, that hasn't been burnt out. Maybe, maybe I don't want to say that uh, it's not popular, but just maybe stuff that I I might have had uh, fly by my radar. You know, like uh, there's a lot of things that I haven't seen. Some things I get adamant about, you know, like I've never seen Hocus Pocus. And everybody talks about this time of year, but I'm probably never going to watch Hocus Pocus at this point. You know, everybody tells me The Office is the greatest show of all time. I've never watched it. I'm not going to watch it now. You know, but every once in a while, there's something that I'm like, you know what? I missed that when it came out. So I think I'm going to go back and and watch it, especially if it's something that is, you know, six or seven episodes, because then I don't really have to make a big commitment to it. But I did that a few years ago with uh, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. I had left my previous job. I was getting ready to come and start here in the newsroom, and I had like four or five days off in between jobs, and it was right around New Year's. So I was like, oh, what am I going to do? I, I don't know. I'll find a show to, to binge watch. And everybody says this this show, It's Always Sunny, is funny. I, I'll give it a try. And after the first episode, I was like, I'm hooked. So I watched you know, every season and got caught up. But for the most part, I don't put that much commitment into it. But I found this thing. <laughs> Have you seen... Um, the Haunting of Bly Manor. No, all right. It's not, in my opinion, it's not as good as the Haunting of Hill House. Hopefully, you watch that. That came out last year. Mm-hmm. Um, that it's the, the Haunting of Bly Manor is not as good, in my opinion. But it's the same idea, and there's a character in that uh, who the actor who plays him has done a, a previous paranormal themed comedy show, and so I happen to find this. It's called Garth Marenghi's Dark Place. Okay. And I think there's only like six episodes, but it is, you have to watch it. It is absolutely hysterical. And it's, it's, you, when you watch it, you will laugh and be like, I think I know exactly what person they're mocking here with this. Because it, it has these paranormal beliefs worked into it. It's basically, the premise is, he's the world's greatest horror writer. And he decides to uh, create a television series about a hospital that's also like the gate to gateway to hell, but he's also casted himself as the lead actor, and he's not a good actor. And he's really not that good of a writer either. So it it, it really okay. really turns into this whole twisted twisted and hella and he brings in all of his friends who aren't actors either, uh, to be in it too, and it's just it's ridiculously funny. Um, but it's, it's, it's extremely self-aware too. And when you watch it, you're going to be like, Oh yeah, nope. I think I know who there, that's a reference to. I think I get that. Well, text me a link to it and I'll check it Uh, out. You will. It's, it's, they're all on YouTube. It's so good. Uh, and I, I watch it at two or three in the morning when I'm done with midnight society, which is probably, you know, (laughs) the time that I'm going to laugh at anything, but I'm, I'm pretty sure that I'd be laughing at this no matter what time of day. So anyway, that's worth checking out. Uh, I think we have a, a phone call on the line. I believe it's Lamone. Ah. So I'm just preparing you for that ahead of time.
1: Okay, playa. Uh,
0: good evening. You're on Spooky South Coast. Hello. What's shaking, Playboy? What's happening, Lamone? Lamone, what... are you guys doing?
4: Um, hey, what's up? All right. um, you know, like in the first Colchick uh, movie before this became a series, it was about the Vegas vampire. You heard mm-hmm. about that, right? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> And so, uh, when you come, whenever you come out here, I think you go street where they filmed it at. But you know, that, that was based on a true story of what happened in 68 in Las Vegas. And so, that's really scary because it's like, uh, a like, for a long time, the, 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 you know, they, uh, do you remember in the movie where they had uh, Desert Posse, which is the Metropolitan Police Department nowadays, uh, they had like 12 of them, that, the guy uh, literally beat them down and, and got shot point blank with shotguns and he escaped. And I can show you the house that used to be Binion's house. You know, uh Benny Binion. It was his house, not the one in, in, in uh Pahrump where his where his where they were robbing the the, the sons, you know, all the sir, the Silver was buried out there, but here in Vegas. And that place is spooky as it is. Um but uh, also you know, we, you guys know of course Sean Connery died.
0: Yes. Yeah.
4: And uh I'd and I'd like to give a little props up to Sean Connery too, so Uh, Well, I'm so glad. And remember, you said you didn't know when they'll have it back on. You'd be back on TV, back on the YouTube. And I'm glad you're back where you belong. So we get to see you, beautiful guys. Well, I don't know how
0: much we'll stick with it. I mean, we're on tonight. I got my fingers crossed, and I saw a stream. of like, no! I was like, it's preposterous. I didn't believe. I was like, no.
4: <laughs> and I remember saying, like, maybe you do be be ready for a round things get. I said, round Halloween that'd be perfect time for it? He said, I don't know, but it doesn't look like that. I said, well, let's have hope for it. Let's hold on for it. And so, one more thing, Kimmy. Now, when I was talking to you last weekend, I talked. I said that uh, when I was talking about. About saying i can't have you guys pay for a full a round trip uh first class round trip ticket for me and and with that guy, and i and i got i said i she kept saying like about well, she's saying like this I should, i got up to about a uh, four about a thousand not four thousand that's oprah's kind of sitting fees but i said for a thousand and 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 that's I was just gonna get that out there get that situated and One other thing also, but you remember I was telling you about how the earthquakes and stuff, I mean, it was my dreams. I told you about how I saw the stuff coming down, Mm -hmm. uh, you know about the, the California being burnt, and when the when the big quake's gonna come. So the stuff coming from the sky, which I saw, and it's all gonna be part of it. Now, if you know, you'll start seeing like these earthquakes. They're happening. They're happening all over, and they're like a lot, especially here in the United States. A lot of them, when I went back and looked at them visually, you know, you know, using my God-given abilities, I seen a lot of them are on electrical electrical lines, with the big giant lines. You like up? You remember in seven, where they filmed this? They did that in seven. How they had that? Uh, how they had the, uh, that one? Uh, where they went out there? What's in the box? That's one of the places where I see quakes coming from there, and and a lot of this stuff is going down. It's happening. Like I saw in my dream, ever since like the mid eighties. You know, I told my mom I saw some coming down from the sky, down the sky, uh, b- before your birthday, and then she said, "Well, I guess around election day, huh?" But her birthday is the fourth, and so the third is election day, right?
0: Yes, the third will be election day, Tuesday.
4: Okay. Curses! Well, so I'm just saying, everybody needs to hold, you know, hold on, hold on the horses. There's going to be a lot of people dying in the next eight, ten years. A lot of people dying, and I literally say there's going to be a third of of the people that's that's living today is going to be dead, and it's not. I'm not just talking about from a, like you know unrest and stuff like. I'm talking about like, like, uh, like you know uh, pestilence, a lot of a lot of earthly changes, earthquakes and stuff going down. I see a lot of that happening, and 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 like next, like like the, you know like the, they're just trying to immunize people for this COVID stuff. I watch out because I, they're going to. Uh, they're going to be able to uh, cause people to um, become sterilized, so they can't have any children. And so that this is all kind of this is all kind of scary from what I've been seeing, and it's just terrifying. And and it's like I see this stuff going on, and I've known about it, and it's like now it's finally giving me a time a time play, uh, a time limits where I see these things going down. So. I was I was thinking some new Europe earthquake but that happened like in Greece, so that it's too late for that. Try to say something <laughs> about that last night before some crazy crazy some crazy old guy hung up the phone. But t- I sound a lot better tonight, don't I? My you
0: do that. you do sound pretty well tonight, Lamone. Uh, well, there was a little you. there was a little problem with me kicking the audio out to the to the YouTube stream, but I fixed that. You know, and things changed a little bit here on the board since the last time we did <laughs> this. But you you sound I- very good.
4: From well, I think you saw, you sound off, these charming yourself. Look how felt <laughs> you are. Look how well, thin you getting, young man. Um, uh, also, I like to say you're like the, the MacGyver of the paranormal. <laughs> so so that would be a good thing, okay? So um, I'm just going to finish listening to your program. And one other thing, what size shirts? Do you, you know I'm I'm a I'm a, a kind of portly kind of fella. What kind of size shirts does your your box guys
0: have? Well, I can tell you, uh, you know, as I'm as I'm losing weight here, uh, my size has changed a little bit. But I ordered four X shirts from them uh, because they do run small. You know, I was I was wearing a three. I think I'm probably down to a two, but the the four X shirts from them are are very comfortable. Uh, so that's that's. I would recommend that if you're a larger person, I would recommend going with that. Well, I,
4: I'm pretty four X would be kind of nice. I'm for instance, you know, like uh, the uh, Avengers, the Avengers movie. How they had the the last one where they had those uh, uniforms, like you know the uniforms they had before they went to space. I have I have like got two of those shirts. And they were, they were like 4X And they fit me so tight I can't even I'm not even trying to put them on I'm not trying to show off All my stuff Like I said It's <laughs> like That's what it is It's really Really tight It must be like They're in Japan Are they made in Japan? The shirts?
0: I don't think so No I'd have to I'd have to look at the tag And see where they're made But I don't, I don't think They're made in Japan No
4: Well that's
0: That's, over, like, that's a good album though made, in Good Good live Iron Maiden album Yeah Alright yeah, Lamone Well we're gonna We're gonna say good night And happy Halloween to you God bless you guys, and, may, and hopefully next next week will you will there be a next week for the show on YouTube? Oh yeah, on
4: YouTube? Oh, yeah. yeah. well we'll see
0: a, we'll see about YouTube. I think so. I hope
4: so because that is, it's just though know, the paranormal and life just hasn't been the same without that, <laughs> without being able to see you guys. You know, it's like forget the civil unrest. This makes me feel unrested and unwell. All right. And I'm glad that <laughs> I'm glad that you would be good, Matt. You're so talkative these days, Matthew. up that, yeah. Just hanging out, players. Just hanging
1: out. You know. All
4: right. I'm, send, I'm sending you something, Timmy. Uh, but I, I won't have until probably Wednesday. So, and is there going to be a way that you're, you're not? Do you know if you're going to be coming here before um, April?
0: Oh, I'm not sure. I don't. I don't think so.
4: I remember, you said something about bringing your dad. The, oh, one more thing. Tonight um, on the Movies Channel. The Gargoyles. You'll be able to watch them when you get the shows over. It comes oh, up, yeah. you know, it's your know, you know,
0: favorite movie, Lamone. Your favorite movie's on tonight. <laughs> it looks
4: like one of my old girlfriend's moms. So like <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. Well, see you later. Happy Halloween. Take God care. God bless you
4: guys, and may you never sleep under Rudolph's post-nasal drip.
0: Woo-hoo. All right, there we go. That is yes, the, the one, the only, Lamone. Uh, happy Halloween to him. And uh, yeah, I mean, there's, there's certainly, there's a lot to unpack from that call. Yeah. Uh, but... You know, he mentioned the movie Gargoyle. I don't know if you ever saw that.
1: Are you talking the one from the late 70s yeah. or the 80s? Or yeah. Like, like, or oh, yeah.
0: Yeah. like the side of the road museum. Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah. That's actually one of my favorites.
0: Uh, Lamones too. It's one of his
1: absolute favorites. Uh, well, of course he's got taste.
0: But there's, you know, there's, there's, we were talking about vampire movies before. And, you know, I think a lot of the cheesy, you know, those cheesy 70s. Kind of uh, drive-in movies. Vampires figured into a lot of those movies. Oh yeah, and and they brought some of that mindset and that mentality mentality back in the '90s because I think from when from Dusk Till Dawn came out, that kind of in, and and also John Carpenter's vampires that kind of inspired some of these these vampire movies. Uh, what was the one? Gary would know if Gary's listening. I think it was called Embrace of the Vampire, Kiss of the Vamp- One of those that had Alyssa Milano. Uh, that was a good one.
1: I want to say that's Kiss of the Vampire. I think you're right there.
0: I think it might be Embrace. No, I don't. could I could look it yeah, up, but it's more it. it's more fun just to, to guess. Let's see uh, who we have on the line here. Good evening. You are on Spooky South Coast. Hello.
5: Good evening, Tim. Been a while, my friend. How are you? Good. Hey, back last month on 107, there was, uh, I saw two different pieces of the kind of same story. They were viewing the last five uh, UFO sightings here in Southeastern Mass and Bristol County specifically. Mm-hmm. And that one about Fall River, the two that look like different sized lanterns in the sky, a friend of mine was the first person to call into the Fall River Fire Police Department about it. Right. And so, he said the location, if you, if you were coming over the Beggar Bridge, when you look down the river, that first marina, and it kind of sticks out a long way, so i like a bunch of crafts, personal crafts, it was out over that.
0: Yeah, it was out behind the, the restaurant there. And and so we were pretty sure that the ones that Maddie saw on Sunday night, Sunday evening, that those were Chinese lanterns, because they had a memorial service for somebody who had passed away, and they set off Chinese lanterns. I guess from from that pier where the, where the restaurant is, and and um, so and some
5: of them didn't float away; they just kind of hung there for a while.
0: Yeah, so that's that's probably what she saw, but the Fairhaven footage from the night before. And my footage from um, the Saturday night, because hers yeah. was on a Sunday, so the, the footage that I saw on a Saturday night of just the one lone one outside my house, those didn't seem to match up to any anything to do with this ceremony or anything yeah. else we could find with Chinese lanterns.
1: Now, what did you think of the other video I sent you, the one that was recorded down the road from your house the week before? Uh,
0: it's still the same thing, like, yeah. the, what I just... I don't think that those are lanterns because no. they look. They don't seem to be acting like them in the videos. But also, I can't find anybody saying, like, oh, yeah, no, those yeah. are definitely Chinese lanterns. Like, when you put out a story like that and put out those videos to a massive amount of people, you think somebody would chime in and be like, well, we did have a party, and we did set off these Chinese lanterns, but I haven't heard anything yet. I and mean, the
5: it, only one that I noticed was different was that one from the woman from Onset, down of a Mass Maritime, where the military had sent the three... Um, Aircrafts, and then whatever they were trying to surround just like vanished.
0: Yeah, there was there was a report about that on the Over uh, mass maritime yeah. on, on the National UFO Reporting Center. Uh, they had that. So there's there's this. That's because that airspace is restricted. Well, the person who filmed it, I um, the person who reported it, if I remember right, had uh, had experience and so knew like the different craft that would be in the sky, and was very. If I remember that report, was very descriptive. As to what was going on. But then there was another report that popped up from that same time, I think, because I I wrote about it being based on the sighting reported to the National UFO Reporting Center. But I believe I found one that syncs up with it on the MUFON Reporting Center that was not from the same person. But happened at the same time So now you've
5: So it cross-referenced it almost Right yeah. So now
0: you've got a couple of people That have seen it I mean some of these reports That I see happening around this area Like there's somebody Who keeps reporting one in Somerset That happens every night At the same time And stays out there For like 20 minutes And all I can think to myself Is dude that's a planet Like you're 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 looking at a planet
1: Or you're looking at part of a flight route
0: But holding still In the same spot For, for you oh, know A couple still? of hours no like that's, that's a planet. Yeah. That's right, or a star. Right. Or yeah. But you know, well, yeah, um, it could be a star and too. I but you know like I mean. When
5: I read your report about what you saw, I was like, wow. I was like, Wait, it was literally the third one of the five. So I was like, okay.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, like I said, I think I've had three encounters with one in my life. And, and, and that's, that's number three. That's the most recent one. But
5: and it was so strange. It was so close to your house, right? It'd probably really freaked you out.
0: <laughs> that's the one thing that I don't want to have happen. No aliens in my house. (laughs) What about your backyard? (laughs) I don't want them anywhere near my house. (laughs) Always a pleasure, my friend. Happy Halloween. Likewise. (laughs) Take care, Phil. Yep. And uh, if you want to call in, 508-996-0500 is the number. Uh, Yeah, I don't want no aliens in my house or near my house. I'm pretty sure that that light that I saw was a good, you know, like a couple of miles away in the sky. So. All right.
1: That would put it over my house.
0: No. And given
1: the direction
0: you were facing? No, I, f- I want to say that it was probably further than that. I don't know how far you can see. Okay. Well,
1: depending wise. on size and angle and right. stuff. Right. Like, I don't,
0: I don't know, like, what the. Like, what could be the expected visibility on a Saturday night when it's nice and clear, like that? You know. I'm
1: just saying that your front door where you took your video but faces it was, towards where I live.
0: Actually, this would have been. Let me situate myself and look at where I would have been. So I would have been facing probably Plymouth.
1: Okay. So then.
0: So that's, that's probably the direction that I would have been, because, because my front door faces like Northwest. Yeah. So, and that's where I was. I was on my, you haven't been to my house since I got, but I have a front porch now. Okay. So I was on my, I was on my front porch and that's where I was. Pointing, it was directly straight ahead. So it was over the pond, um, which I'm thinking if I went up to Plymouth and went around the, the back roads and everything, I would have been probably in South Plymouth. So it's pointed more toward, yeah, so it's probably pointed like toward Plymouth Center. Okay. And and, and maybe a little bit to the west of that
1: so I'm more directly West from you.
0: I mean, I, yeah, I, I'm, I'm normally definitely in, you know, the Logan flight path. Like I can hear yeah. the planes and everything. Uh, weird, weird thing happened to me the other night. I was sitting in the home office, which is my home studio and uh, forget what time it was. I forget if it was before midnight society or after must've been before, but Dead silence outside. all of a sudden I heard a train. Never have heard a train. I mean, I've lived in this house for 15 years.
1: Well there there is a train that is but it does I've, go by but yeah,
0: I've never heard it. I've never I've, I've just always assumed that I'm too far away to hear the train. but this was loud. It sounded like the train would have been like no less than a mile away from my house. No, but
1: there is a train track to the south of you. The train
0: tracks are about three miles away. And I've, but I've, you know, the trains go by there all the time. I've never heard one, but I just heard one plain as day the other night. And I, I've I've had some, some pretty weird things that were happening. Weird dreams lately. Okay. I don't know if I've mentioned this on the show, uh, or if I mentioned it on Midnight Society, but so stop me if you've heard this. I was teasing somebody the other night because they were watching Poltergeist Two, and you know you know how much I love Poltergeist yeah. and Poltergeist Two, not so much Poltergeist Three, but uh, and I was teasing this person, sending like you know gifts of Reverend Kane, and that night I had a dream. Uh oh! I had a dream that Reverend Kane was outside of my house, Reverend Henry Kane, that I was looking out the window, because now I have a bay window. And I could see him coming up the pathway through the window. And then he came up to and now I have a screen door. You know, full full size screen door. And he's standing there at the screen door talking to me. I was trying to like duck away so that he wouldn't see me, but he's standing there at the door just like, like
1: in the movie when you're just standing. like
0: in the movie. But I, I actually was in the the office you know, okay. and you know, you know, yeah, my house. I know your it's, house, it's yeah. the next room over to the living yeah. room where the front door is. And I was actually in there when I first started seeing him come up the,
1: the walkway thing. And yeah.
0: the walk, and I was like, I don't want to go into that room because I know he's going to see me in the door, but I couldn't help it. I was like drawn into there. So the weird thing about that is I have never in my life had a dream that took place in my own house. Really? That, Never. That is weird. Never. It's always been somewhere else. Somewhere yeah. else. It's been a, it's been my house in the dream, but not any house that I've ever lived in.
1: No. Have you had dreams of old places that you lived in, even though you're living somewhere different?
0: Strangely, yes, but not That's exact. Not strange. No, no. But I mean, yes, but not exact. Okay. So it, it it has been like in my dream. I've said to myself, "Oh, I've moved back to this address," but it's been nothing like. What it, where it was that I lived, but freaky thing. This is this is the thing that freaks me out quite a bit. I've I've lived in the same dream houses in different dreams.
1: I know what you're talking about. So yeah, it's it's not a house you've ever lived in, but it's your house, and you not only dream of it once, but several times, and you keep going back to the and, same house.
0: And yeah. the other weird thing about it is. In all of these dreams, I still live with my family, like from when I was a kid. So it's my parents oh, okay. and my siblings all living in this house. We're all adults, but yeah. we're all living in this house together. And it's, there's, so there's one where the house has a large basement. And in that large basement, there are places that we don't go uh I believe that's also the same dream house where there are third floor rooms where we don't go. There's another house dream house where the very back of the house is an elevated like attic space that you can walk up and when you get back there like it's it's we know that it's haunted. And you can go back in there and investigate, but that we, we don't go in there unless we're going in there to investigate. Is it like an attic loft type of? no, thing? it's it's almost like um it's almost like an auditorium
1: okay.
0: like it's almost like you open up the door and you walk up some stairs and there's like an auditorium space
1: in an attic.
0: Yes um, okay so and in that dream, you have actually been there investigating it with me. okay. Um, what did I find? I don't. I don't know. I don't know if we got to that point in my dream, but I. You know, it's almost like when I get into these places in my dreams, I like. And I know my way around them. Okay. Because I've dreamed of them before, but they're not. They're not places that I've ever been.
1: Have you had the occasion where you're in this house and you picked up or found something from a previous dream that is still there? Like you. No, nothing you that I you can understand think of. where
0: I'm going with that. Yeah, but nothing that I can think of. There are some that are uh, a bastardized version of a house that I really did live in. Okay. Um, that, uh, I definitely had weird experiences in that house, but it's not exactly the same. And I can tell you exactly where it is. You know, where, um, you know, where the, the, the Domino's pizza used to be in Wareham, where AJ Mark's jewelers is. Yes. Yeah. And you know that house that's behind it? I th- I don't Some know. A they-
1: red house or whatever? No, it's, well, it's white. white. now, but it used to be red back in the day. I think,
0: yeah. it, I think it was gray when I lived there. But you know what I mean? The one that's on yeah, the train tracks. Yeah, yeah. So that's the house that I lived in. Okay. And now it's like a physical therapy place or something. Or I think they might have a tattoo place in there now or something. Um, But that's where I lived. And pretty sure that that place is haunted. In fact, I keep meaning to go knock on the door <laughs> and ask if I can go in there. Uh, but the, that place has popped up in a few dreams, but not been the same. And that's the place where I used to live on the sun porch and I always felt like somebody was outside my door.
1: Well, out there wouldn't be surprised.
0: <laughs> not, not my outside door. Not, see the way that, that, that sun porch was, it had a, a door to the outside on one end yep. and then, and that was like facing where my bed was. My bed faced that, and then behind my bed, it was like there was a door on the side that went out to the front. What should have been the front porch, but the front yard was actually the the train tracks. Uh, but that's that's where that door went out. It opened up and went into that onto that porch. By the way, I will never ever have a bed over my have a door over my bed ever again. Like I just I can't sleep that way.
1: A door. I can't over sleep, your bed? I can't
0: sleep with the door behind me. Oh yeah, I I get you. Uh, but but that that was in that in that house, um, and then there was also the door that went into the living room, which was directly across the door that faced my bed that went to the outside. And there was it, it was a parking lot next to me because the house was next to an auto parts store, so they had a parking lot that had an over you know an orange yeah. light. So I always had light in my room. It was never dark. Um, But that door that went into the living room, I would wake up in the middle of the night and I would hear that door rattle. I would know that somebody's about to come in and I'd hear that door rattle, but nobody ever opened it. And it wasn't anybody in my family. Everybody else except my parents were upstairs. They slept on the second floor and I was right near the stairs so I would have heard them come down. Mm. Uh, But the and and my parents you know they wouldn't have come over there and rattled the door anyway but it would happen all the time so that's why i, I always wanted to say like maybe if i can just go knock on the door and say hey can i come in and you, you know walk you around and you
1: don't have to knock you can address uh, to current occupant you know well that's
0: a different story i have to do that with the house that my aunt and uncle lived in because i've been trying through through online records and Facebook and all that to find the people that live there. And all the people that I find in the online property records say, I've never lived there. <laughs> so I don't know what's going on with that. But uh, somebody is in there now, so I probably should go knock on that door because I, I I think about it and then I put it to the back of my mind, but I talked to somebody the other night. I don't know if you're familiar with Deanna Simpson, uh, but her and her husband moved into a house in Pennsylvania, the Hanover Haunting. And Joni Mahan wrote the book about it and it's, it's a very terrifying story about what happened to them there. But all I kept thinking was, it sounds similar to my aunt and uncle's story. And her husband's name is Tom Simpson, and my uncle's name is Tom Simpson. So I'm like, this might be a sign that maybe I have to go start looking into this case again a little bit more. But we'll see where that goes. Anyway, 508-996-0500. I don't want to start psychoanalyzing myself <laughs> here on the air. No, I get
1: it. Now, going back to vampire stuff. And Lamone brought up a case that happened in late '68, early '69 in uh, Las Vegas, and dealing with a real vampire, which was, um, or said to have been a real vampire, and one of the episodes of you know Night Stalker, uh, a focus on it. and it involves that you know a vampire that goes into a place and you know it's chased out, and um, I have on my mother's side almost all of the women. You know, my aunts and female cousins and all that were all nurses, nurse practitioners, doctors, whatever, in the Boston area. I had two cousins that were in late 60s, early 70s, working up in Boston, and they both worked the same floor at the same time. They were nurses, and they talked about somebody that they swore had to have been a vampire, that they, the, the guy was actually caught stealing blood and security chased him he jumped out a fifth floor window, landed on the ground, and ran away.
0: Well, I mean I believe there are people who think that they're vampires. So it wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me if there was somebody who was mentally disturbed who wanted to go and drink blood. I don't know if a mentally disturbed person can jump out of a fifth floor and window.
1: And then run away. No. Yeah. You, you, you jump out a fifth floor window, you are breaking bones.
0: I mean, I guess it's possible that if you bounce off a few things, you'd no, be okay. But this is straight, a straight drop. Would, straight drop
1: to concrete sidewalk.
0: Yeah, I, there, there's, there's no scenario that I can picture that working out. And
1: the window wasn't open.
0: Well, I would think not. Yeah. I would think a fifth floor window you probably want to yeah. keep it closed. Yeah. But the yeah, the, the stories of some of the you know you know, not with the supernatural abilities, but the people who actually live as vampires, uh, I I did not realize that it was something that is as prominent as it is. That there are people who they get an energetic rush from drinking somebody else's blood. Yeah. So you ask them, you say, Oh, well, what if what if you know, what if somebody just gave you a bag of blood? Eh, yeah, yeah, it's okay, but it's not the same. It's not the same as the connection of actually, you know, having somebody cut themselves wherever they do it and actually sucking the blood out of them. Uh, and and I, I, listen, I don't like the taste of blood. Uh, you know, if I cut myself and I have to, you know, my yeah. I don't like that. It tastes metallic and gross to me and it turns my stomach. Oh, but
1: It's mainly iron.
0: Yeah, And it's supposed to turn your stomach Yeah, because you're not supposed to have a stomach full of blood. Correct. If you do, there's a problem and you're supposed to, you know, your body wants to alert you to that problem. So it's, it's, it's fascinating to me that people would do that uh, intentionally. I mean, I get the idea of like the energetic vampires, like, you know, the psychic vampires, those I can, I can understand.
1: Right. But, you know, there are some people that, you know, well, like myself, I like a really rare steak, you know, point, you know. It's almost got a beat to it still, but
0: but even that, yeah. you know, you don't you don't get the. It's not
1: that. It's true. not it's not
0: straight blood that Correct. you're drinking uh, that you're eating with it. Um, that I mean, and anybody that eats a steak, you know, the opposite of that is just wrong. Yeah. Well, I yeah. mean, I'm not going to tell you who I voted for, but I will say this: I would I would definitely have not. It's not a prudent political choice to let people know that you like to eat a steak well done as, as, as president Trump did.
1: Okay.
0: 90% of the world probably thinks that you are wrong for doing it that way. And then putting ketchup on it too. I used to like well done steak with ketchup on it too. When I was seven, then I discovered how good it tastes when it's not <laughs> nice. well done. Yeah. Actually my, my, my grandmother used to make steaks and And she would always make them well done. And they used, they dipped it in mayonnaise. Oh, wow. So they listen, every meal, they, every dinner, they had the jar of Hellman's mayonnaise on the table. And you would use that for. Lubrication to get it down. A dip, (laughs) you know, a dip. No, my grandma was a fantastic cook. Okay. Um, But if you, you know, like if you had, so sometimes she would put a little salad on your plate, which was just lettuce and tomato because they had a a garden. So they were always having vegetables. So she'd give you the lettuce and tomato and then you would have the Hellman's mayonnaise in the middle so that you could put the Hellman's mayonnaise on your salad. And then if you had steak, you put the mayonnaise on the steak. And then trying to think of what else they had, you know, burgers. You always put, I still put mayonnaise on a burger. Um. But I was trying to think of what else she put them. But it went on a lot of things. Yeah. And but steak was the one thing that like I I I outgrew that before the rest of the family did. You know, well done steak, come on. Like, no, I want it I don't I don't like it as rare as you do. I'll eat it if it comes out that way. But I like it to just be I just like it to have a little bit more warmth to it. You know, I want medium rare, but
1: I'm I'm at what they call barely blue.
0: Yeah, that's I don't I don't really because I don't like the cold. I don't like things that are supposed to be hot that are partially cold. No, it's not
1: cold, but you know what I mean. It, slightly warmer than you know body temperature.
0: <laughs> this is this is super inside stuff yeah. right now. But uh, do you remember Lincoln? Oh, that used to yeah, come to the yeah, diner? yeah, yeah. Lincoln would order burgers that he barely wanted cooked, so. Like he wanted us to put it on the grill, warm it up for like three seconds on one side, put it on the, warm it up for three seconds on the other side, and then send it out to him like that. And so one day I said to him, Lincoln, if I didn't cook it at all and just put it on the bun, would you eat it? And he's like, I'd actually prefer it that way. So from then on, whenever he came in, we would just serve him raw hamburger on a bun.
1: That
0: doesn't surprise
1: me. Lincoln was a very, very interesting character. And he would have sup- been paranormal. Well, he is paranormal because I don't know if you know the uh,
0: the the place that he used to frequent.
1: Uh, people keep seeing this guy there that and, never knew him,
0: and because
1: he died right behind it. Uh, I, I, I do. I believe it. I don't know. I've not seen it. And
0: I would think that you would smell his ghost <laughs> before you would see him. It. Agreed. Agreed. That's, but as I, but I said, this I'm is- sure you've heard the same thing. Well, and if and if you heard if you heard him, we should go do an EVP session because oh it would be unmistakable, be unmistakable. if it was him, him. no doubt. You are, yeah, yeah, yeah. How, how, how you doing? How you doing that? How you doing? How you doing? All right, that'll do it for tonight's show. <laughs> we went we went somewhere we probably shouldn't have. Yeah. Uh, but we'll be back next week. Uh, we'll be talking with Amy Bruni from Kindred Spirits. She'll be talking with us about her new book uh, that has just been released, her first ever book, and you can pick it up for yourself. Uh, I'm, I've been reading it. It is very fascinating. I mean, I know Amy. I've known her for a long time, but there's a lot of stuff in this book that even I didn't know. So uh, we'll talk about all that with her, not only about the book, but about growing up with the paranormal in her life, pretty much her entire life. We'll also talk to her about all of her travels. All right, that'll do it. Until next week, happy Halloween. Stay spooktacular.